thousands of people have mysteriously vanished in America's wilderness. Join us as we dive into the deep end of the unexplainable and try to piece together what happened. You are listening to Locations Unknown. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locations Unknown. I'm your co-host, Joe Irado, and with me, as always, is a guy who let Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift have the spotlight for one night by not <laughs> attending the Super Bowl, Mike Van de Bogart. Uh, well, this so nice of you. Shows you how much you know about football. The Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. Yeah, that you're going to let them have oh. the spotlight by not okay. going. I thought, okay. Yeah, otherwise it'd be all about you, and that's rude. It's, yeah. it's like his night, it's her night. <laughs> so it's, it's mostly her night. I'm just sick of hearing about Taylor Swift. Oh, you can't say that. Now our show's ruined. (laughs) The Swifties Swifties are going to come after us like the zombies in World War Z. They're just going to come over the building. Here, that's the hill I'm dying on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, thank you once again to all of our amazing (laughs) listeners for tuning in. You literally will die on that hill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've got an exciting uh, show ahead uh, for you guys. This one's going to be a multi-parter. Um, so it's pretty, pretty fascinating case. Uh, before we go in here, just a couple, uh, Patreon shout outs. So Leslie Duffy, Jennifer Plazinski, Christina Mancroni, Jordan Perez, Christine Mancroni, Mancroni, probably Jordan Perez, Christine, uh, Charney, Jen Calvin and Steven Eckert. And a big shout out to Jen Calvin for suggesting, this case, I don't know how I hadn't heard of this. It's um, a really bizarre case, and it's been covered by um, some of you know the bigger TV shows in the last couple of years. So, really interesting case. But of course, we're going to cover it better than any of them. Um, so, if you want to call the show, you can call two zero eight three nine one six nine one three. Leave a voicemail, the- especially if you're a Swifty that now hates Mike. Please yes. call the number and tell Please. us about it. I don't hate. I don't hate Taylor Swift. I know. I, I'm just sick of hearing about her. I actually like Taylor Swift. Oh. She's a billionaire. She, Is she she's really a genius? Yeah. She no? she she's marketing. Hey, more power to her. Heck yeah. She re-uploaded her own music, so she, she like cut out the middleman. She's like I don't, a business savant. I don't like, need to hear about her every five minutes. <laughs> well, so, um, if you want to help support the show, you can uh, visit our Patreon page and sign up. YouTube memberships, premium subscriptions on Apple. Uh, or you can buy some sweet swag from our store, including uh, signed or unsigned posters, unsigned or 20, signed or five. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking we should do, we should actually do a, a giveaway yeah. on the signed ones for anyone that has either video or photo proof of them getting 10 friends to subscribe to our show. Oh, we'll we send a poster to. All right. Yeah. It's got to be video or photo evidence uploaded online, tagging us. Yeah. You can get ten individual people, and it has to be like verifiable. Okay, we'll send you a poster. All right, and I'll take care of it, so you don't have to think about it. Sweet, even better. <laughs> um, real quickly before we get started, uh, we had an update. A lot of our listeners have been emailing us and calling us about uh, Tremel Evans. Sadly, his remains were recently found in Joshua Tree um, under some really 
you know, bad circumstances. It, it looks like he was suffering from uh, some alcohol withdrawals and decided to go out into nature to kind of, which on its own is a really great idea. Like, in you, like think, yeah, I'm going to go out into nature and clean up. Yeah. But um, unfortunately. That's dangerous. It's dangerous if yeah. if you're really deep into alcohol. So sadly, his remains have been found. That was episode 85, I believe. Yeah, it was uh, last summer. Yeah. I think we did June that. June 14th. Yeah. And an interesting little tidbit here. I finally got a FOIA response. I issued a FOIA request for um, uh, Kean McCaughlin. Is that how he said his name? Uh, C-I-A-N. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I issued this FOIA request back on... That was two years ago, wasn't it? Yep. I uh, Let me see. When did I send in the FOIA request? Uh, April 19th of 2022. So you I got ju- the response, and they just, said no. They denied uh, <laughs> it entirely. It so um, ah. it said this is what this was their response. It is the National Park Service policy not to release documents that are part of an open investigation. Such records, if present, would fall within exemption... Yada, yada, yada. So um, had to wait several years for him just to tell me no. Yeah. (laughs) So the efficiency of the government. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we don't, we will never know what happened with him. I was really interested in learning the, reading the case files for that one. So, well, what's cool is uh, not that obviously, but with having so many fans now, I mean, we got several emails and messages about Tramel Evans. I I know you already picked it up, but. Yeah, it's, probably like 12 or 15. Yeah, what's really nice is if we ever do miss something, um, we know you guys are going to you're gonna pick up the slack there and keep yeah. us moving along. So that is awesome. That yeah. is fantastic. Thank you very much for doing that. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so that is the end of my updates. No, those those are good ones. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit longer because we had to update about Tramel Evans and, and Kean McLaughlin. But um, all right, everybody, let's gear up and get out to explore locations unknown. November 17th, 2019, Marshall Iwasa was visiting his mother and planned to stop by a storage unit he shared with family before returning home in British Columbia, Canada. Days later, his truck would be found in a remote area outside of Pemberton, over 745 miles away. Join us this week for part one of the Pemberton Incident. Just so there's no confusion, <laughs> he lives in Calgary. He was vid- visiting his mom in British Columbia. Yeah. So I, I mean, we've got some stickers. Mike, Mike there. called me out. I didn't mean to say it like that, but he heard it like that, which means at least fifty thousand people will hear it like that, <laughs> and we'll get at least one comment of somebody saying, "I hate your show. Do more research." I'd like someone just to once say thank you for that correction. I don't even want to thank you. It's just please tell us what you. <laughs> When when people write, you got everything wrong. It's like, well, it wasn't everything. 
yeah. specify. So anyway, uh, the name of the location that we're going to focus on, because this is obviously a big area, we're not going to focus on the entire area, but where the truck was located was the Squamish Lilut uh, Regional District north of Pemberton. I'm going to try and throw in the Canadian axe every now and then. I won't do <laughs> okay. it right. The oots. Uh, this is a local government federation consisting of four municipalities. So the district of Lelut, village of Pemberton, resort municipality of Whistler, and the district of Squamish. The sublocation or where the truck was found, and Mike will get into that a little bit later, is the trailhead to the Brian Waddington hut. The Brian Waddington hut is a structure in the Felix Creek on the shores of Long Lake, north of Pemberton, British Columbia. At capacity, the hut sleeps 40 people. Located near the peak of Mount Argonne, Shadowfax, Gandalf, and Peregrine, the hut is about 15 to 20 kilometers from the main road. Hey, those names sound familiar. Yeah, Aragon, <laughs> Shadowfax, Gandalf, and Peregrine. That's awesome. Those are all from... Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like stumbled <laughs> on Aragorn. I can't believe it. He's like the best character. Yeah. Uh, I just upset more people. You upset Swifties. <laughs> I upset Lord of the Rings fans. Hey, uh, it has two access points: the Felix Creek FSR, uh, the main logging road used to access the hut, and the Felix Creek Trail. The FSR ends where the Felix Creek Trail begins. From the trailhead, it's a two to three hour hike to the hut, which requires online registration for anyone wishing to use it. So, uh, here's some interesting facts about British Columbia. It's home to Canada's highest peak, Mount Logan, towering at 19,551 feet. That is no joke. That's a no. tall, tall mountain. Uh, the Great Bear Rainforest in British Columbia is one of the largest temperate rainforests on Earth. I bet there's a lot of bears in it. I bet there is. <laughs> would you want to guess at the specific kind? I would feel confident saying grizzlies and uh -oh. black bears. You better hope they are. <laughs> you can find Canada's only desert in BC, the semi-arid region of the South Okanagan Valley. BC is home to the rare and elusive Kermode uh, bear, also known as the spirit bear. BC has over 25,000 known species of fungi, making it a hotspot for mycologists. And Mike is also a fun guy. <laughs> BC offers world-class skiing and snowboarding in Whistler, which hosted the 2010 Winter Olympics. Uh, actor Ryan Reynolds and actress Pamela Anderson are both from BC. BC's lush forests are home to bioluminescent mushrooms that glow in the dark. I saw those on the new Planet Earth series on That'd Netflix. Be trippy. That's so awesome. <laughs> They're so cool. Yeah. Uh, the Sasquatch or Bigfoot is rumored to roam the forests of BC. It's rumored to roam a lot of forests. Yeah, he's everywhere. Yep. Or she. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the haunted Fairmont Express Hotel in Victoria is a popular spot for ghost hunters. All right. So we're going to talk about a description of features in uh, South uh, Chilcotton Mountains Park. It's about 33 miles to the northwest of the hut sometimes, as the crow flies. Sometimes we do this because the location where the case actually happened is... You know, it's not a park or a forest. Yeah, it's, it's just like an area, so we'll just do the most popular one nearby. Yeah, it's the closest park I could find yeah. um, near there. So, Yep. I'm sure we'll get in trouble. <laughs> the dormant climate of the Chilcotin Highlands and the ranges is a leeward rainy climate influenced by wet coastal air from the west, cold plateau air from the north, and dry interior air from the east. 
The child, uh, the South Chilcotin Mountain Park is located on the leeward side of major coastal ranges and has less precipitation relative to the mountains to the west. Uh, the South Chilcotin Mountain Park has moderate temperatures and low precipitation during the spring and summer seasons. The fall and winter seasons are influenced by warm Pacific air, resulting in cooler temperatures and higher precipitation. The growing season is short, lasting approximately three to four months from the end of spring to the end of summer. At lower elevations, there is a frost in most months. At higher elevations, frost is almost daily. Winds are present throughout the year, more at higher elevations. The different amounts of precipitation on the two sides of the mountains and the variation in temperature due to the elevation create, a distinct, uh, create distinct environments in the South Chilcotin Mountain Park, resulting in biodiversity regarding plants and wildlife. Uh, so some of the terrain of British Columbia is it's customarily divided into three main regions, the interior, coast, and the lower mainland. These are broken up by loose and often overlapping systems of cultural geographic regions, often based on river basins, but sometimes spanning them. The Canadian Rockies, Coast Mountains, and Inside Passage provide some of British Columbia's renowned and spectacular scenery. In the southwest corner of BC, the lower Fraser Valley forms a flat, fertile triangle of intensively used land. The city of uh, Penticton and the small towns Oliver and Osoyos, Osoyos have some of the warmest summer climates in Canada, although the hottest spots are the towns of Lilut and Lytton in the Fraser Canyon. Nearly all of the coast, including much of Vancouver Island, is covered by a temperate rainforest. One-third of the province consists of barren alpine tundra, ice fields, and glaciers. There's a crazy um, thing I saw about Canada, and they talk about although Canada is obviously on top of the United States, yeah, most of the people live below the parallel line that's like the top of the uh, left side of the country. So, you know, it's oh, kind yeah. of flat. Like if you drew a straight line across, it's like some ridiculous percentage of Canada's population is below that line. Well, you, so everything above that is just like nothing. I mean, I probably the three bigger, biggest cities, Toronto, mm -hmm. Calgary, and Vancouver are all below that. Yes. So, and I mean, it's barren. It's There's a the lot of open land. Yeah. Very cool areas that are very hostile and yeah, I want to go, but I'm also scared to go. I uh, I did a hiking trip in Mount Assiniboine in Alberta. Yeah, I I would fun. love to do that. Yeah, I've only gone uh, besides going to um, where was I just going? I was in Banff. <laughs> Banff. I went to Banff. Um, outside of that, it's when you hit the big cow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did that in, in in on Resland in Montana. Yeah. Um, I would go up to Boundary Waters canoe area and we would canoe up for like two days deep into Canada. So yeah. it's not that far when you're on a canoe, but I remember how remote it was and it was yeah. amazing. The animals are amazing up there. So speaking of animals, what are some of the animals that we might see uh, in this area, Mike? Well, we have mountain goats, California bighorn sheep. They are far from home. Grizzly bears, black bears. You got them right. Wolverines, bald, and golden eagles. So difficulty in general, the area where Marshall's truck was found is an incredibly remote location in Canada. When the family left for the site, it took them almost 30 hours to reach his truck. Yeah, it's uh, it's very remote, very hard to get to. Um, when I get in the timeline, some of the search and rescue vehicles got damaged just getting up there. Um, so it's it's 
desolate. I mean, yeah. you're not probably going to see a lot of people when you go up there. Yeah, there's some spots up there that you can't recreate in America. Yeah. There, we're not that vast, yeah. relatively speaking. Yeah, so, I mean, it probably is similar to, like, if you're in, like, northern like Alaska, like, that remote. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's, 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 that's a good I point. D- yeah, like, Alaskan I, triangle type area where yeah. people go missing constantly. At least that's the impression I got. I've never been there, so, but it just seemed, based yeah. on what everyone was saying, even locals, um, a lot of locals that have lived there their entire lives didn't even know about this section until this happened. There you go. I mean, that's, that's how pretty remote. remote. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so some tips and safety for that area. Persons visiting the South Chilcotin Mountain Park are, it's either Chilcotin or Chilcotin. And this will be kind of for this general region. Yeah. Uh, It is a wilderness area, as we said, without staffed facilities or regular ranger patrols. So you are out on your own. Yeah. That is it. Visitors should be self-sufficient, ready for any type of weather condition. Weather conditions can change suddenly in the area, and storms with snow are common at higher elevations, even in the summer. Uh, encounters with grizzly bears are not uncommon in the park. Visitors should make their presence known while they travel through the park and follow proper food prep, food prep and storage procedures. Uh, in consideration of wildlife and safety hazards related to bears, dogs should not be taken into the park. Uh, yeah, dogs will start barking at them, could scare them and trigger the bear, and that's not a good <laughs> yeah, dog won't win. No. Please keep to established trails, especially in the grasslands and alpine areas. Do not want to damage them. Leave no trace. Yep. Bring your own drinking water as potable water is not available in the park. Water is available from numerous lakes and streams and creeks, so you should filter, boil, or treat the water prior to consuming. So, Mike, tell us about Marshall. Yes. Yeah, so um, this multi-part series is going to start with uh, Marshall Iwasa. He was born... Uh, January 3rd, 1993, he went missing on November 17th of 2019. His remains have not been found. He was a male, age 26. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube or any of the other platforms, Joe is going to be going through a lot of different pictures. Uh, So uh, he's 5'11", 170 pounds. He had curly brown shoulder-length hair, brown eyes. Uh, He was last seen with his dark blue 2009 GMC Sierra with uh, license plate BLL-1099. Family described him as a quiet and reserved guy, uh, but very gentle and kind. Um, medical issues, didn't find any, any you know, like medical issues in the sense that, you know, do it impair his ability to hike. But uh, per some of the police reports, um, it did appear that he was going through some stress in his life, maybe some depression. He had, um, he was at a, a college and he, he decided not to enroll for the next semester and didn't tell his family for his family didn't know that he did this. And, um, so the police, (laughs) the police, uh, they, uh, sorry, I got distracted. Yeah. a, A window window looker um so yeah the police kind of just said that you know he was a lot of stress going on may have been depressed this might have factored into what happened to him we don't know so uh occupation hobby he he played football and rugby in high school after graduating high school he he first worked at a local grocery store and then he started to do manual labor jobs in southern alberta and 
Southern Alberta is primarily known for its oil and gas industry. So there's a lot of, a lot of manual work for jobs on like power lines and rigs. So uh, they didn't say that's specifically what he was doing, but if he was doing manual labor, there's a good chance he was working in the oil industry. And he had recently enrolled in the IT program for software development at Southern Al- Alberta Institute of Technology and then moved to Calgary. Um, but like I said, at the time of his disappearance, he hadn't re-enrolled um, in the next semester and his family didn't know that. So I got the impression he was a pretty smart guy when it came to technology. He built his you know own computer. Um, he was, right before he disappeared, he was working on um, writing his own, like a passion project. He was writing a video game, like creating it. All the software. Like coding it. Yeah, and, coding and, it. And building it himself. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah. And he, I mean, he only had a semester or two at this tech school. So obviously he had these skills just, you know, through osmosis growing up. So, you know, pretty smart guy. You know, coding's not something people can just, everybody can just pick up. So uh, smart guy, you know, nice guy. Everybody, everybody liked him. So, um, so friends and family said he was big into the outdoors. We don't know his you know, air quotes, skill level at hiking, but I think it's safe to assume that he was, you know, pretty comfortable hiking in the wilderness. Uh, it seemed like he had a lot of the gear necessary. I think he, he, he was, should have had the gear with him on this trip down to, uh, where his parents live. So, uh, we'll jump right into timeline. So this timeline starts November 17th of 2019. So Marshall spent, most of the day doing laundry and chores at his house in Calgary, Alberta, uh, that he rented. Um, and that evening, he drove his uh, dark blue GMC Sierra about two hours south to a, a city called Lethbridge, where he'd grown up. Uh, that night, Marshall spent some time at his mom's house helping her with a computer problem. And he left around 11 p.m. Uh, at the time, he was wearing a green hoodie, black pants, red high top sneakers. Uh, and he told his mom that he needed to get something from a storage locker that he shared with his sister for the past six years. This was located in an industrial area of town, um, on the North side between, uh, Sharon and Churchill. It was about 15 or 20 minutes away. Um, so, so he went to his mom's, he's helping her with the problem. Yep. And then he was going to hit a storage unit. Yep. And then he was planning on driving back to Calgary. Okay. So, and I'll get into why he was at the storage unit here in a second. So between, you know, it's late night on the 17th into the 18th of November, 2019, from 1130 PM to 6 AM on the 18th, he tried to gain access to a storage locker numerous times. Uh, but unfortunately, from what I read, the facility was closed and didn't open until 6 AM. So the keypad wasn't letting him in. Uh, he was eventually able to gain access at around 6 a.m. And they know this because the keypad kept a activity log of everyone trying to, to get in. And the family got access to this. So that's how they know that. And he stayed for just over two hours. So he waited all night long. Yeah. Okay. So he, uh, he stayed for about two hours and left around 824 like I said, he was planning to head back to Calgary. And unfortunately, 
they were not able to get any video footage of him leaving, going to or from the storage unit um, because by the time they found out he was missing and everything, the people at the storage unit said the uh, surveillance footage had been erased, which I think is probably pretty common. Uh, yeah, if it's an overriding you unit. You probably save a couple days, and if nothing happens. How, it, how long was it again? Um, his truck wasn't found until a week later. So, I'm just trying to think of when we installed security. It was We had a two-week run. But we we wanted a longer one. If you're going for the cheapest, it's usually only a few days. Well, and, and, it, and it overwrites itself unless you save an event. I'll get into this later. But the family was hitting roadblocks when they tried to go to commercial facilities that had cameras requesting their footage. They were all saying you can't have it unless you come here with a police warrant, and the police wouldn't issue that because they didn't consider this a criminal case. That's so, weird. Not a single private business was like, yeah, let's look and just give you... Some of them refused. So <laughs> That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I have no indication that that's what happened to the storage locker. I think what happened was it was just too late, and the, the footage yeah. was... It just overwritten. Over, yeah, overwritten. So for those who might not know, if you have a digital recording device that records all your security cameras, usually it doesn't save everything. Well, it's saving all the time. But when the disc hits a limit, it just overwrites the oldest video with the newest, and it constantly runs unless you specifically save a portion of that video before it overwrites itself. So, yeah, like if someone went to the storage facility and broke into a locker, yeah, they, they would the then, next day. They would the next day go look at that footage. But yeah. if it's just, you know, just people coming and going to their lockers, they're not going to save that. Yeah, and if they finally say, hey, there was a guy that went missing a week ago, and they're like, sorry, we only have five yeah. days of recording before it's gone. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so uh, nothing appeared to have been taken from the locker, including his camping gear. His family said that he was there to get a box that had a piece for his computer that he built. Apparently, something was broken, and he needed to send it back to the manufacturer, so that's why he was at the storage unit. Nothing, you know. Did they say, like, that thing was gone? Um, They didn't mention if that was, if he had that or not, but... Okay, maybe they would have mentioned if it wasn't. Like they said, yeah. he came here for this thing and it wasn't even taken. Yeah, so I mean, that's why okay. theoretically he was there. So, all right, so yeah, like I said, let's let's jump ahead to November 23rd of 2019. So in a remote area outside of Pemberton, British Columbia, uh, about 31 miles north of the town of Pemberton, and over 745 miles away uh, from... Um, that must be Calgary. Uh, Marshall's burned out truck was discovered by a group of hikers in the densely wooded area at the trailhead to the Brian. Uh, how'd you say it? Waddington, 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 Waddington I, hut. Yeah, I can't see it right now. So in this, we, you know, when you look at a map, you'll see the logging road goes to where it kind of turns into a trail. And this is the Felix Creek trail, which then goes to the hut and I think Joe's got, here we go, we got All Trails, still waiting for that sponsorship. Yeah, seriously, All Trails, what's <laughs> going on here? All right, um, so we have... So we would have probably come from the right and... Blackwater Creek Road. I, I don't know for sure. He could have come that, from... That looks like the most mainish road. Yeah, so then this is the road he would have driven up on, and then kind of where that green dot is is where it turns from uh, a road to more of a trail. And this is the general area where his truck 
was found burned out. Joe's got pictures of it. And um, it's, I mean, it's totally burned. His stuff is just strewn out. Um, it. We actually have a video of Joe wants to play it. Make sure to turn the yeah. sound up. All right. Um, this is video from the family. And then it just abruptly stops the end where Marshall's truck is. Look how dense this is. Oh, yeah, they had, like, a bunch of off-road vehicles just to get there. Yeah. And there's literally nowhere else you can go once you're there. Got the DJI Mavic up there. You just keep walking here. Was that log there? Like, he drove over the log? No, this truck, this is, like, a uh, the next summer. Okay. They're out here because you sell the rust. Yeah, but it was all burnt out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the tires are melted off. So, the yeah, the truck's completely empty. Uh, it's got some water in it because Mike said it's been there for a while, but it's rusted out. I'll get into some details, too, that are interesting. Yeah, it's entirely burnt. It's just the only thing that's left is metal. Everything else is burnt out. So it was completely on Notice fire. anything missing from the, the dash? Besides the dashboard? No steering column. Well, that's plat. That's rubber. No, um, steering column is metal. I'll oh, the column, it. not the wheel. Yeah. Oh, interesting. There's other parts missing too. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, this was in the summer of 2020. The family, the family didn't get up there until the middle of 2020. Um, I'll get into all that here. Uh, so, like I said, a group of five hikers. Uh, stumbled across this truck that now this is this is from 2019 so you can see how different it looks it's not as rusted yeah it it's looks a, it's fresh a, yeah it's more white i mean from you the see burn. the char on the ground still yeah um the hood's still there <laughs> yeah um this is the next year then yeah okay so that's the summer the next summer yeah you can see how rusted out it is and then you can see a picture joe just had a picture of what the trucks looks like um that's the his actual truck what it looked like before it was burned out. Um, All right. So I'll, I'll keep flipping through while you're yeah. going. So the hikers, when they discovered this truck, uh, they took a bunch of photos and then reported it to the police. And we actually have a face. Uh, one of the hikers left a Facebook post. Um, I think James Stark. Yeah, James. Yeah, Stark. this is his post right here. Okay, and then he left it left some. Uh, some text. I don't know where that is, but I'll, I'll read a, he did an interview with CTV news. Um, it's fine. Yeah. So, uh, James Stark is one of the five hikers who took, uh, the photos of Marshall's torch truck. He then posted them to the South coast touring Facebook group. And this was a quote he gave to CTV news. It felt like a crime scene and had a very eerie feeling, he said in the post. According to the CTV News article in which Stark was interviewed, nobody except he and his group had been registered to stay at the hut. They were on their way uh, there when they made the discovery. So, like I said, clothing and items were scattered around the scene. Uh, some of the items that people found were three smashed phones, lots of clothing thrown all over the place, an Xbox, a PlayStation, and expired passport. Items that family said were missing that should have been there were his contact lenses, contact solution, a mountain hardware scrambler 30 backpack, his college-issued Samsung laptop, his wallet, um, 
and his most recent phone, a pearl-colored Samsung Galaxy S6, were all missing and have never been found. And initially, Marshall's family identified the gaming consoles as belonging to Marshall, but then in January, his sister Paige finds Marshall's Xbox and PlayStation at his house and confirms that the ones found at the scene did not belong to him. So there's other people's stuff mixed in here too, which makes it even more strange. Um, And there are also truck parts missing. So I had hinted at this in that video. So including the steering column, and this is actually a significant clue. I was going to say, I was wondering if there's some about, relevance to that. Yeah, so a lot of times criminals will remove the steering column from a vehicle that they plan on burning as a way to double, like, make sure that DNA isn't found because um, I was doing research and there are actually cases where murderers were caught because of prints they were able to take off the steering wheel. So a lot, of, a lot of times they will uh, take the steering column out of the car before they burn it. Um, and also burning cars is a very common way that people murder other people. Destroy uh, evidence. One, yeah, one of the news reports I was watching on this had mentioned that like the last five or six years in this region of Canada, there were like five or six murders where the car was burned and the body was found in the car like totally burned so were they similar no it was all over all different places not related but they're just saying that um different places but if it's all the same way like could they have no there was no no connection to it but it just other than the the fact that um it's a common way in remote areas where they've there's a murder a lot of times they find a car with somebody burned inside of it you can imagine no one's gonna see it so you don't have to fear of like yeah. People call them fire department and they'll come put it out in time. Yeah, so um, that's that's strange. And then in subsequent searches, law enforcement discovered a partially burnt trail of clothing leading away from the burned truck, ending in a nearby creek. Uh, however, when they brought searchers out to dive in, into the creek, they didn't find anything else. So that's another really bizarre um thing that they found just a trail of partially burnt clothing leading to a creek almost makes you think like was he on was somebody on fire yeah and like it was crawling. like running to the creek to jump in we don't know but it's just yeah. it's strange so like we said this site is approximately 14 hours from lethbridge where his parents live and that was the last place he was seen about a week prior Another uh, strange thing was there was no video footage of Marshall or his truck or any records of him filling up gas between Lethbridge and Pemberton. And like we said, that's a 745-mile drive, and he's in a big pickup truck. There's no way you could do that on one tank of gas. He would have had to fill up at least probably a couple times to make it, you know, at least once or twice. Um, and the last activity on his in his financials, were was november 15th so there was no activity so if he did he was cash only cash only or someone else did we don't know but (coughs) in none of the gas you know they weren't able to get any cctv footage from gas stations along the way i'm gonna i'm gonna refrain from theories yeah until the end yeah i know this is multiple part but we should do a theories at the end of each one and then in the final i think we're gonna this be a three-part 
series, and then the final episode, we'll we'll tie a bow on it and explain to people how it's all connected. All right. Because there is a lot of connections. All right. Um, so try your best not to. I know. Spoil them ahead of the third episode. I won't. I'm gonna hint. <laughs> I will hint at a few of the connections at the end, but uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Okay. So, um. Yeah, it's strange that there there's no footage of him. Every gas station has cameras. You got to imagine. I know it's a more remote part of Canada, but there had to have been a number of gas stations on the way. Um, and his some his truck filled up somewhere because there's no way he would have made there made it there in one tank of gas. So that's strange. Um, his sister also said that at, she, she was quoted after visiting the scene in July, she's confident that Marshall was not there alone. If at all, this case needs to be pushed into criminal. I will not be okay with this until we have answers and won't stop until we do. So November 25th, 2019, after the hikers reported their discovery discovery to the police, uh, British Columbia, uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police. I believe that's what RCMP stands for. Can you... Uh, Mounties? Can you Google that for me just so I, I don't keep saying it wrong yeah, if, sure. I'm, if I am wrong? <laughs> um, so they spent... Yeah, Royal okay. Canadian Mounted Police. You could right. just say Mounties. I'm just going to say RCMP. <laughs> say Mounties. Mounties. They're Mounties. Uh, what movie? Was that Super Troopers? That well, it's a lot of movies because yeah. that's their like short term i'm pretty certain or was that beer fest i don't know uh so the uh mounties spent two days attempting to access the site one of their vehicles had been damaged during the initial attempts when they arrived on november 25th more photos of the scene were taken now it was not known at this time but something had happened in the immediate vicinity of the truck in those two days uh, it's now November 26th of 2019. So Marshall's sister and mother who are in Hawaii receive a call from police asking if they know where Marshall is. They are informed that Marshall's truck has been found in a remote area of Pemberton, British Columbia. And this is a quote, I believe from his sister. She said, I didn't realize how crazy it was, how it was like burnt out. And I don't think I imagined that. But we definitely knew like it was weird for his truck to be there without him. Um, and her initial thought was that Marshall's truck had been stolen and that Marshall would probably find out soon. Once I got that call, I ended up calling my cousins and Marshall's friends and asking if any of them had talked to him. She said, uh, asking if they knew where he was. And she ended the quote saying, you know, Lethbridge is a pretty small, small town. Marshall's family immediately began searching for him, and he was reported missing that day. It's now December 4th, 2019. Uh, the RCMP announced that the initial search for Marshall had been suspended due to ongoing snowmelt. And that month, they turned it over to the Lethbridge Police Service, so the local police service. This is a quote from the Mounties. We've ceased our efforts to search in this area because we have exhausted the area. We've searched the area we believe he may be in. And aside from that, without any indications to point us to another specific area, it would be searching the areas of British Columbia, which would not be practical. However, we will continue to evaluate uh, and information that comes to us 
Uh, and if we find other areas to search, we will definitely look at that. So, um, that's like Canadians way of saying we can't exhaust any more resources. Yeah. And you know, during this initial search, they, they notified, um, the, uh, border to make sure that he didn't try to cross into the United States and, uh, the U.S. Border Patrol confirmed that he never legally entered the United States, and they also checked pawn shops in Canada to see if any of the stuff that was missing had turned up. And unfortunately, they all reported that they had not received any of that uh, stuff. So um, it is now January of 2020, and his sister um, visits Marshall's house. I mentioned this earlier. And she discovers that the Xbox and PlayStation are still there. So, obviously, the ones that were found where the truck was were not his. So, that's interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, it's now January 25th and 26th. So, family, friends, and community members were um, now searching for Marshall in the Lethbridge, Alberta out of the Helen Schuler Nature Center. Um, Wings of Mercy uh, provided drone support. Alex McNeil provided canine support, and Kelly James provided SAR coordination. What you clicking over there? I'm, I've got a little oh. thing. Sorry, am I distracting you? <laughs> yeah, it's very distracting. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> the showbiz. Get it together, man. <laughs> Stop clicking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is now May 21st, May 22nd of 2020. Um, people are back out there searching around the truck site. So the truck is still there, hasn't moved. On Friday, May 22nd, the truck site and surrounding area searched using cadaver dogs. I mean, that's great they're doing that, but that long after yeah, you went missing, I don't know what the purpose of that would be, I guess. I want to understand why it took so long. Well, I mean... Th- I they, mean, like, I know why they gave up, but like, it sounds like they brought in like third party groups to help out significantly later. Well, what happened was the the Mounties did the initial search, and then the weather got really bad, so like it became inaccessible. Oh, so like they so, probably went out the next time they could. So yeah, search and rescue called off the okay, search. Okay, so it's that it's, remote. Yeah, so it was that bad. They said we can't search anymore until the weather gets better. So they called off the search, and they had told the family. Uh, don't come up here right now. It we're you know while we're look we're searching, and then it got so bad that you know no one went up there. So the family really didn't get up to the truck until the summer of 2020, and they actually law enforcement kicked off the search again um, in the summer of 2020. So that's wild. So it's yeah. it just was inaccessible. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So that's so remote. It's yeah, and it's just the the conditions were just heavy snow and um yeah just you can imagine just yeah it, you wouldn't it took them i think i if said it, locals can't make it yeah it took them like a, the family said their first trip up there in the summer it took them 30 hours to get to the truck site um jeez it's just that tough a terrain and you all, you got to use all four you know four by four vehicles you're not going to get up there in just a regular for, vehicle for 700 miles well, 700 miles from Lethbridge. It's yeah. The hard part is from Pemberton up to 
the drive up to the area. Oh, so that wasn't even like the Lethbridge to the truck. It was no, from Lethbridge Pembridge to the truck. So Lethbridge to Pemberton is about 745 miles. And then the truck was located about 31 miles north of Pemberton. So, so it took them. Yeah, take logging roads up to where the trailhead is. It took them an hour, a mile. Yeah. Basically, like averaging like a mile they an hour. They said it was that slow. Wow. So Okay. Yeah. So you're not getting up there in winter. Now, I don't snow. know if it's always that slow. It could have been just the conditions were bad. Yeah, if they're saying snow melt like the beginning of summer, yeah, they probably have a significant amount of runoff. Probably real soupy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, um, the truck site was uh, searched using cadaver dogs. Uh, or, you know, in May of 2020, on Friday, the Iwasa family is informed by LPS that the search had been completed, that nothing was found, and that RCMP had searched extensively and were now done with their search. But now again, June 24th of 2020, another exhaustive search uh, involving the Lethbridge police, members of the Pemberton RCMP, and surrounding detachments, 12 police officers in total, along with 15 search and rescue personnel from Pemberton and Squamish, uh, kicked off. A helicopter and all-terrain vehicles were used to access the site, and police said that RCMP fire investigators, several private investigators, and members of the Canadian Search and Disaster Dogs Association would be conducting a ground search. The search with the RCMP fire investigator seven months after Marshall disappeared was the first attempt by police to investigate the cause and manner of the fire that destroyed Marshall's truck. I'll get into this later, but the family was a little perturbed that it took them seven months to uh, get a fire inspector out there to investigate it. Yeah. Even if they don't think his disappearance was criminal, the fact that someone burned a vehicle, that is a crime. Yeah. And this area, I think they have a strict no fire policy a lot of the time of the year. So, Well, based on the forest fires we saw last year, I'm, I would I mean, assume they'd take it pretty seriously. Uh, it's amazing. Probably, you know, maybe because it was later in the year in November, it was a little wetter out. But I, you can imagine a truck burning like that could just start a forest fire easily in some areas. Sure. Um, so, um, like we said, they got the fire investigator up there finally in June of 2020. And so now we have a, a press release from the Lethbridge police. Uh, so they, they write in examining Wasa's personal affairs in the months leading up to his disappearance, including interviews with close friends, as well as financial, medical, and social media activity. There is no evidence or th there is evidence to suggest he was experiencing stress in his life and had become withdrawn police say an examination of the vehicle and the area at the time offered no evidence to suggest criminal offense had been committed and no evidence to suggest that anyone other than iwasa was present when the vehicle was burned to date police have looked into and checked all available avenues and known sources of information to determine Iwasa's movements, including CCTV footage from businesses, highway traffic monitoring images, national park gate camera footage, and made requests for dash cam footage from members of the public. At this time, there is no known CCTV footage of Iwasa or his vehicle after he went missing. Uh, it is now July 3rd of 2020. Uh, and this goes from July to August. So, Marshall's family travels from Lethbridge to the truck site for the first time. This is that video Joe showed earlier. And this is where I said it, it took them 
30 hours to get to it. So uh, 4Low BC provides assistance with 4x4 vehicles to access the site. On August 8th of 2020, Marshall's family... Now, this is really interesting. Marshall's family releases the photos of the site taken on November 23rd and 25th, highlighting the missing, moved, and damaged items between the two sets of photos. Uh, So what they found out was you have the initial photos that the hikers took when they found the truck, and then police came up there a couple days later and photographed the area and a lot of the stuff was moved. So somebody had been up there moving things around and rummaging through things and placing things in different ways than the the way the hikers had found it. So and they know that the they know it was hikers the, didn't do it. They know it wasn't the hikers. Yeah, Joe's <clears throat> looking at it now. So they know the hikers didn't do it because they they went up there, took the photos, and came back out and reported it to the police. They and the hikers explicitly said we didn't touch anything. It felt like a crime scene, and mm-hmm. they felt they felt some eerie feeling just being there. They and they weren't sure that whoever did this were they still in the area. Yeah. So they just wanted to get the hell out of there, um, and they were the only people booked at the hut at that time. So there were no other hiking groups that were registered that were going up there. Oh, that, so, so they never went. They saw this and then turned around and yeah. came back. Okay. Now that's not to say people weren't out there hiking, but this is such yeah. a remote area and the yeah. time of year. I mean, and it was only two days. Mm-hmm. So it, this is very odd. And we're looking at pictures right now of the, yeah, it looks like, like this cooler got overturned. Things were like rearranged. Yeah. Yeah. So very strange. And that's not to say someone hiked through there and saw this and rummaged through through it. it. Yeah, it could be innocuous. It could be. Or it could. Somebody got wind that they went up there and they went to like double check the scene. Yeah, who knows? But. All right. So, um, yeah, that's just, there's a lot of weird things in this case. So, um, late. So the truck is still out there. Uh, He went missing in November of 2019. It is now uh, August or uh, October of 2013, and this is a post 20, that, 2019 to 2013, 2023. Yeah. You mean a 2023? Yeah. Whoops, going <laughs> he went back in time. Back in time. Um, so this was a post on a website called the Varsity Outdoor Club. This is a group of nature enthusiasts that maintain hiking trails, and this was a post by a private citizen that stated that the uh, Weddington Hut's roof had collapsed due to heavy snowfall that spring and was in need of repair. While supplies were being airlifted via helicopter, Marshall's truck was chopped up and hauled off to a local landfill. Uh, According to this private citizen, the truck was leaking toxic chemicals, including lead from the battery, and was deemed an environmental hazard and should not not be left on the trail. And he also said... that people had started um, filling it with trash as they were hiking by it, not knowing that this was involved in an open disappearance. So people were just dumping their crap into it? People were just dumping garbage into it. So these people that ran this, um, you know, club deemed that the best scenario, that you know, they said they knew about the case and they knew that it, 
that basically the search was done and it's been out there for four years. The, the guy, they interviewed the guy that cut it up and he's like, you know, it's if the family's still hoping to get DNA off this truck, it's been sitting outside for four years, like getting snowed on, rained on people. And he's like, now people are throwing trash in it. Yeah. They probably were met, rooting around in there. People, he said, people, hikers would, would climb on it and take pictures. And yeah. like, so it's been, you know, rummaged through, Dozens of times by yeah, random crime people. scene. Was, <clears throat> yeah, the crime scene, whatever gone. evidence was there is gone now. So he's, you know, a, and it's blocking, um, it's blocking this forest road. So I'm just kind of shocked it was just left there that long. Like they yeah, didn't, nobody else wanted to bring it in. Like the authorities didn't get rid of it or they didn't like force the family to go get it. Or, I, I, it's <clears throat> that hard to get yeah. out there. It's like just. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same like if uh, this happened in like a national park. Yeah. They well in Canada, uh, what's his face is the bus, the bus uh, from Into the Wild. The Isn't movie that Alaska. Was, uh, yeah, it was Alaska. Yeah, so I mean they left that out there. Yeah, they that's only true. they only flew it out because so many people are trying to get to it. Getting they're lost. they're yeah they're <laughs> yeah. having to do rescue missions constantly, so they got rid of the bus. Is so that in Denali? I don't know exactly. I'll look it up while look you keep going. Yeah. I think it, it wasn't. But I mean, that's where I'm wondering is when it's that far out, they're just yeah. like, we'll leave it and let nature take its course. Yeah. But yeah, so either way, the truck was finally removed in late 2023. So that kind of wraps up the timeline. I've got some, what I've called things that don't make sense section. <laughs> um, so one of the things that doesn't make sense to me is the lack of CCTV footage it you know 2019 there's cameras everywhere in public it was it was near denali okay they had to airlift it out oh there's a video from airlifting it yeah i mean that's where where do you think they took it it's in a museum oh it is i i do know i don't know where i i know they did that but 15 people had to be rescued trying to reach it to take pictures <laughs> uh you our our buddy ryan barber has a picture in front of it oh he hiked out there and didn't he, have to get rescued he and flavio hiked in denali we should have tried to find it yep Probably would end up lost. Yeah. <laughs> we would have done an episode where I'd just be jeering you yeah. for, for an hour. Be like, hey, remember that one time? Yeah. So, okay. That's too bad. I always wanted to go hike to that. Yep. Well, now I can't. Now I can't. Well, now you can hike to the, the museum. museum. Yeah. I'll wait to do that when I'm in like a wheelchair and old. Yeah. Still say I did it. Yep. Um. So, yeah. Things that don't make sense to me. Um. Lack of CCTV footage. I can't remember where I saw this and what the number was, but someone published... Um. It's a ridiculous number. How many times in a given day you're caught on a camera in public? Yeah. It's like in the hundreds. Yeah, but that's also in like a big city and this is in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but I mean, he he would have, if he's at a gas station, he would have been on camera. Yeah. The storage facility, he should have been on camera. Um, there's traffic cameras that, you know, on major highways. I, I feel like that's a time thing though. Yeah. I mean, because all of those, I mean, I've never met a single person that stores all of their CCTV no. footage. It's all rolling deletion. So if that's the case, well, and, and this thing took so much time, by the time they get there, it's like too late. Or I, I'm i more shocked by the people refusing yeah. to like, and I want to know, like, did they go look? They ha I mean, why wouldn't you go look? Yeah. After you've been asked for it to see like, hey, do you see this type of yeah, truck at this time? Why wouldn't you report time? it? Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, I guess, and you know, that we kind of had this issue with uh, the Gwen Hasselquist case. We were trying to find footage of her van going to the bridge and we couldn't. Um, so next thing that doesn't make sense to me is the no gas fill up. So like I'd said, um, between his parents' house and Pemberton would have been a 745 mile drive. He's in a big pickup truck. He would have had to fill up. Uh, there were no financial records of him paying for gas. Um, and like I said, there was no video footage obtained of him at a gas station. So that's strange. Um, I mean, unless he used cash. True. But yeah, and I don't think I read anything that he had pulled cash out. His last financial activity was November 15th, a couple days before he went missing. Um, another thing that doesn't make sense is the photo discrepancies and the items that weren't his. So uh, another element to his disappearance um, is the discrepancy between the original photos. So I would love to know what who was up there moving that stuff around. Was it just innocent people picking through what they probably thought was garbage? <coughs> or was it something more sinister? Were the people, person or people who maybe... Um, had something to do with this disappearance coming back to the scene to clean up evidence of their involvement. We don't know. I'll be honest, that one doesn't really make me, like, give me any type of weird feeling. Now, the other thing that is strange is the items that aren't his that are mixed in with his stuff. So, like, the Xbox and PlayStation. Um, I won't go into a lot more detail but there is additional things that were found that didn't belong to him all right so that's that's next part that's episode two all right (laughs) so i won't get into that but um so let's do theory so far and maybe you don't because you know more well i I still got more things that don't make sense okay you go over those and then i'll do my theories just because i don't know this case yeah uh we covered this one already but the missing truck parts especially the uh, steering column that's a little strange i obviously the steering wheel would melt away but the steering column is metal it would still be there that's someone removed that from the truck so why i wonder if they're made of aluminum because if it was hot enough that could melt well i don't google what i'm, I'm gonna yeah is made out of but i'm gonna i'm gonna look up that specific truck no one no one mentioned that it was made out of aluminum i doubt i'm pretty sure it's not made out of aluminum um, oh, there's it, a lot of aluminum parts on those trucks. Well, I mean, the the skin would be aluminum, and that was still there. So, um, so that was that was interesting. Um, an overall arching um issue was with the police, according to the family. So, um, the RCMP had preserved the items, but nothing had been tested for DNA. Um, So the sister said, we don't know whose DNA is up there. We don't know whose fingerprints are up there. They just have items, but they aren't running them. Uh, In a press release, the Lethbridge police said, the evidence cannot be DNA tested by the RCMP crime lab unless officers have a reasonable ground to believe a DNA designated criminal offense had been committed. At this time, no such evidence or grounds exist. So, they have all this stuff they preserved from the truck site, 
but because the police declared it to not be a criminal investigation, they won't test it for DNA. So they have it and they just refuse to test it? Yeah, they, all the stuff laying on the ground, they collected and took back and have it preserved, but they will not test any of it for DNA because they said it wasn't criminal and it has to be a criminal offense for it to be tested. <laughs> it's That's like, so wild. It's like the chicken or the egg <laughs> thing. So um, who knows if any of that stuff would have had you know fingerprints or anything on it, but... Um, I think, I don't know, I think you'd want to test some stuff based on how the, the scene looked. Well, and I mean, the steering column thing, if that's typical of criminal activity, to me, that, that was my major red flag that this is a criminal event yeah. of, okay, you have a burned out car, a missing person, and it looks to be manipulated and such that is very similar amongst other murders that happen in the area. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe it's not the same person, but it's the same type of profile of you yeah. murder somebody, burn their car, and take the steering column out. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that um, would be logical to me, but um, the family is uh, very consistent in their, you know, saying that this is criminal, it needs to be a criminal case. Um Another issue with the police that the family had was um, the failure to conduct a fire report right away. And we ta- we touched on this earlier too. It is kind of mind-boggling that <clears throat> they find a car completely burned up and they didn't bring a fire investigator out there like right away when evidence was still fresh. Um, that is pretty strange to me. Yeah. So... Um, Reading on here, so in November, there was no attempt to investigate the source or timing of the fire, yet police said an examination of the vehicle in the area at the time offered no evidence to suggest criminal offense had been committed, and no evidence suggests that anyone other than Yuaso was present at the vehicle when it was burned. And I've got some more, so this is interesting. So the family feels the police just didn't take the case seriously, so the family hires private investigators and they go up and investigate the car like a year later mm-hmm. and they instantly find a lighter tucked between the seat and the console of the car and the private investigators state that in their opinion the fire had clearly started in the passenger compartment no matter what else had happened on the mountain the fire in the truck had been intentionally started oh well that's a crime yeah but the police still said that it was not a criminal investigation. But the private investigators clearly found evidence that someone, stu- you know, probably yeah. turned a lighter on and stuck it down in the seat to start the fire. Yeah, it was arson. Arson is a crime. Yep. Even if Iwasa, well, maybe not in Canada. Who knows? Even if even if Marshall lit his own car on fire, that's still yeah, it's a still, crime. Yeah, it's still a crime. So, and finally, this is the spookiest one. Okay. Um, it has to deal with Snapchat. <laughs> All right. So th- there was a very strange thing that was happening um, with Marshall's Snapchat account. So as the, f- the family, you know, through the grieving process, uh, would occasionally send messages to his Snapchat account. And then they started realizing that periodically the messages would get marked as red, as if someone had his phone and was opening Snapchat note 
notifications. Ooh. So someone had access to a Snapchat account. Because his, his actual current phone was never recovered. So it was missing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's his doesn't phone. doesn't mean anything, but it is. <laughs> I mean, it does mean something. It means somebody has access to a Snapchat account. Yeah. So, or, and it, it is kind of strange that his, his most recent phone, the one that would have you know Snapchat and all the other social media accounts on it, was missing. They never recovered his Samsung uh, Galaxy S6, I believe it was. Okay. So, and then again, this is something that I think if it was a criminal investigation, the police could maybe issue a warrant to Snapchat to get like location logs or yeah, or of like, where someone's reading yeah, these messages. They know where it was accessed from. Absolutely. They know if it's accessed through a phone, they should know the location generally where that happened. So yeah. he was in oil. You could trick the government and say like, Hey, we found the location of some oil. Can you please pinpoint this? And they'd be like, that location needs more freedom, and then they'll send the whole army in, and right, <laughs> and then we'll get the we'll get the information we need. So, before I wrap this up with um, a little teaser for the next episode, what are your thoughts? I, I think is some sort of criminal something. Yeah, I absolutely. He's got stuff mixed in that's not, and it's not like who. Okay, they can't even access that thing for half a year. It and so who would go up there and bring a PlayStation and an Xbox? Yeah. To me, that means that was with him. No, all and, that stuff was with him. But like, I'm I'm just trying to think of like, okay, like perfect storm situation. That's other people's stuff that got thrown in for whatever reason. Yeah. But nobody would bring that stuff up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the steering column thing. Since you said that is a common denominator for murders or other criminal activity, um, I don't know why or what, but I do feel like there is definitely foul play involved. Yeah, you think like if he was just burning his own car, he would leave a steering column. And that seems like, why would you go through the extra effort? They already know it's your car. You're not hiding anything by... Why go that far? And why go there? He didn't tell him... Like, it sounds like you only go there because you're hiking to that hut. Yeah. But he didn't tell anybody. No, he was... And he didn't take his hiking gear. No, he was going back to Calgary. Well, that's what he said. Yeah. So he took a potentially what thirty hour detour somewhere, well, whatever, however long it would take him to get up. Yeah, there. even more, long less, whatever time, a lot of effort. Yeah, just yeah. I and there's he's not from this area. He's from Lethbridge, lives in Calgary now. We said locals didn't even know about this spot. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, how would he even know to drive up there? So there's obviously some locals that know. So he's yeah. either involved with somebody or something's going on with somebody who does know about that area. Yeah, and yeah, I I, I have no idea. I'm gonna have to wait for part two. Yeah. So, um, obviously the family, after extensive private searches, is convinced Marshall's body is not up there and that he wasn't alone at his truck. I've heard some articles state that law enforcement thinks it was suicide, but I wasn't able to confirm that, and I don't think this was suicide. Like you said, he's got a bunch of extra weird stuff he didn't normally have. Yeah, why? Why burn? You know, if you're gonna why burn your truck? And that's a lot of effort. Yeah, why? Like to go to an unfamiliar stuff out. Yeah, unfamiliar place. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not buying suicide. I'm not. I agree Um, with you on that one. So. I, I think uh, we need fan theories on uh, part one. I almost don't. So I, I'm i going to 
paraphrase. Please, please don't give away the next no. part. I know you're like chomping, at, chomping the bit. at the bit. You love just, just be like, hey, we're just going to say it all up front. I will, I will try to <laughs> cliff notes this without. I won't say the name. Uh, or you could just not say anything. You could. I could. But yeah, I, so let's just do that. I'll I'll really paraphrase. Thanks again even, for tuning into the <laughs> show. This <laughs> I'll just say this. The next case. Um, <laughs> All right, go on. Sorry. Oh, now I got to. Um, part two of this gets really interesting. So the subject of. You can stop right there. Our next case okay. could be very involved with the subject of our first case. Okay, that's a good teaser stop there. <laughs> I don't even know this. All right. Thanks again for tuning into our show. Oh, I want to talk about we it. We appreciate so it. We will later. <laughs> we appreciate you all for listening and sharing locations unknown with your friends and family. Be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where you can find all the videos of each episode. Also, if you would like to support the show monetarily, please visit our website or Facebook store to buy some sweet, sweet swag. And additionally, you can subscribe to Patreon, on YouTube, on Apple subscriptions, wherever you subscribe to stuff to have access to special events, additional shows for paid customers only, and uh, the new promotion, if you can get 10 friends to sign up and subscribe to our show, and you have to provide video or photographic evidence that's obvious that they've signed up, I'm going to send you a signed poster, (laughs) uh, to which uh, one guy commented on Instagram, how are you fighting off the paparazzi, to which I responded, ninja bodyguards. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, when enjoying the beauty of nature, whether backpacking, camping, or simply taking a walk, always remember to leave no trace. Thanks, and we will see you all next time.